Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And welcome into another new episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, with my co-host, beat writer for the Sports Illustrated publication, Skylar Callahan. He is the beat writer for the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets. So uh, both teams very active right now. The Hornets uh, fighting for a playoff spot. So if you want all that information, follow Skylar on Twitter at Callahan underscore. You can find me on Twitter at DEZ underscore 3505 or at Tobacco Radio. Uh, Pretty loaded show today. It is the offseason, but of course, there really isn't an offseason in the NFL. Panther news and notes. Uh, General Manager Scott Fitter addressed the media Friday. We've got some notes from that. Skyler will give his opinion on some of the answers that Scott Fitter said. Some were pretty uh, eye-opening, point-blank type of answers, so we'll get into that as well. Uh, before we go into that stuff, of course, we'll address the whole uh, – it's WrestleMania week, so why not start off with a, a rumble at the Oscars? Will Smith versus Chris Rock. We'll discuss that briefly uh, as it seems to be toning down. And, of course, uh, North Carolina versus Duke. First time in history these two teams will be seeing each other in the NCAA tournament. It's in the Final Four. It's Coach K's final season, Hubert Davis' first season. We'll touch on that also for you. So a little bit of everything today on the Believe in Panther podcast. But, of course, our main priority is giving you Carolina Panthers news uh, during this time of the year. Before we go forward, though, a word from one of our sponsors at Bet Online. It is that time of the year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us. If you're looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info, along with great contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online where the game starts. As I bring in my co-host Skylar Callahan, let's just start off with the thing that wasted half of my day on Monday, and that's the Will Smith, Chris Rock fiasco at the Oscars. I, did you even know the Oscars were on on Sunday? Like I didn't. I, didn't, I wasn't even aware. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what I was doing. Oh, I I remember what I was doing. I I was watching the I was covering the Hornets game. They're, they're right. playing on the road in uh, in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They got the win. That was a, a big win for them. But yeah, I I had literally just got done with post game stuff, and I had started scrolling on Twitter, and I saw something about people talking about, man, I can't believe Will Smith did. It. I'm like, what the heck did Will Smith do? And I started to search, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you really? Just, like when, it, when I first saw the video, I was like, there's no way that's real because, like, I mean, there's always right. they do. Stupid, you know, stuff and stage stuff all the time at, at like academy stuff like this to be funny and get aroused out of people. But and then start watching it and watching it and watching. I'm like, <laughs> he really may have just slapped it out oh, of here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, and it was crazy because it was like no security or anything ran out. Will was able to comfortably walk back to his seat where he began throwing expletives at uh, Chris Rock from the stands, and it was almost like. 
it was like the, the the audience didn't realize it was real. Like, I think the audience was still laughing because they thought it was like a stage thing until Will started cursing at him from the, the, the That's audience. That's when it got real to the people. That's when it got real. Everyone was like, oh, wait, hold on. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't, uh, for those that don't know the backstory of it, Chris Rock actually, Chris Rock is a comedian and he's one of the best at what he does. And in 2016, he was hosting the Oscars. And uh, this was a year where Will and Jada, his wife, were boycotting the Oscars. Uh, it was the all whiteout boycott, whatever, where they were claiming there, there wasn't enough black representation at the Oscars. So they were boycotting it. And Chris Rock made a joke about how uh, Jada can't boycott something she wasn't invited to. So that uh, kind of started it. And from my understanding, Will's always been mad about that ever since. And to be honest, just from the way it happened and how quick it happened, it wasn't like Will jumped up there and ran at him. Like he casually walked up the stage, <laughs> slapped him then casually walk back to his seat. There's two things there. A, if you are a man and get slapped, that man that slapped you does not expect any any type of like retaliation. Like to get slapped means they don't expect you to do anything back in return. To get punched means they're waiting on a fight. But if you get slapped, that means whoever just slapped you doesn't think you're even worth the time of day to be punched and that you're not going to do anything about it. And that's literally what happened um, on Sunday night. Two, Will have been saving that slap. He had been charging that slap up since probably nine o'clock that morning when they knew they were going to the Oscars and he was going to have to sit there. And eventually Chris Rock was going to come out. And he knew where they were going to be sitting. He had it in his mind. If Chris Rock says something about my wife tonight, <laughs> I'm going to go up on stage and I'm going to slap him. Like, I mean, literally, like, because it happened too quick. Like he had a, already had it in the back of his mind. He was going to do it for him to go up and do something like that and not even think about the millions of people watching or. He had to go back and sit down because moments later he won Best Actor for King Richard. So he has wow. to go back up there <laughs> and accept the award after he just did that. And I think a lot of times the winners are told they're going to win. That's why they're there. So the Oscars are in a weird spot because they can't kick Will Smith out. He's literally the fifth African-American to ever win the award, like ever. And so they can't kick him out. Chris Rock doesn't press charges. The whole thing is weird. And then I see pictures of Will Smith dancing at a party or something after the, the thing's over at after party. I'm like, did it happen? Like, I don't understand <laughs> like what's going on, but it did in fact happen. Will Smith issued an apology late Monday. Um, and it's been the main thing that's been on social media. It's, it's one of the few things that non-sports way that's dwarfed everything else out there, which is sad because uh, Skylar, we're in the middle of hell freezing over because I'm a Carolina fan. And Carolina defeated St. Peter's in the Elite Eight to move on to the Final Four, where their arch rival Duke is waiting for them. It's the first time in NCAA history that these two schools are going to match up against each other in any round of the NCAA tournament, let alone the Final Four. Um, I feel strangely calm about it. Like, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's Armageddon. Uh, the world's going to end. The state of North Carolina is going to fall in a sinkhole, like all this stuff. But now that it's here, I'm kind of ready for it. Like I, I've been strangely confident about the Tar Heels for the past month. And I feel like they can beat the, Well, they did beat this two team three weeks ago and they're both playing really well. So uh, Villanova taking on Kansas at six o'clock on Saturday and the other final four, which has almost become a, a footnote compared to Carolina Duke. It'll be the nightcap at eight forty nine or so on Saturday night. Uh, any thoughts on the final four as it's presently constructed Carolina versus Duke Villanova yeah. versus Kansas. I've got to I've got to be pulling for North Carolina, and the only reason I say that is because if I don't, the uh, the owner of our household or the one that runs the show might kick me out on the streets if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I don't really care. I I don't have a dog in the fight. Obviously, I'm not from Carolina. I've always hated Duke from afar, anyway. So I, I don't mind Good for you. Carolina. Anyone like you? Good for you. That's that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> I, I I gotta say though, Desmond, I was a little unhappy with the Elite Eight. I was actually quietly rooting for St. Peter's under my breath because I wanted to see them go to the Final Four. I thought it would be so cool. The way I kept telling my fiance, I'm like, look, this is their time to shine. They'll probably never get back. How many national championships has Carolina won since you've been alive? Three. Okay. As as somebody who's covered West Virginia and had, had grown up a West Virginia fan, I've never seen one. So I'm in the same boat as St. Peter's. I'm ready for them to have their moment guess what? Caroline's always going to be there. <laughs> she didn't like that comment. So. I mean, literally, I'm 44. I turned 44 in January. I've been subjected to maybe four, five bad seasons, like total, in my lifetime as a Carolina fan, like throughout from 78 <laughs> to now. I'm just sitting there trying to think, okay, well, uh, they bought him out in 2001. That was the Matt Darty year. They, they won like eight games. 2010 wasn't very good. Uh, two years ago wasn't very good. Cole Anthony was hurt like the whole year. That's just three. That's three seasons out of <laughs> out of forty four, whatever it is. Uh, so I mean, we're used to to having it. So it's a it's a stark contrast to be a Carolina Tar Heel basketball fan and a Carolina Panther fan because the Carolina Panther fandom in me understands that this franchise has never had back to back winning seasons, and we're going on was it year twenty eight or something like that. Yeah. So. It's it's wild to be a fan of one team that you just you kind of expect uh, good things to happen for them and just a flood of talent and just good management and everything else. And then the other side, you kind of expect good year, bad year, good year, bad year. And like you don't really have a good thumb on what exactly the team is doing. Luckily for us, Scott Fitter, general manager of the Carolina Panthers, addressed the media on Friday and uh, a lot of our buddies were there. That, uh, that cover the Panthers, including Skyler for Sports Illustrated. Um, let me let me uh, pull this up here. I, I, I pulled some stuff that was kind of like notes from uh, the press conference that uh, that we can address uh, that Scott Fitter mentioned during this thing. Um, let me just find it here. I'm sorry, I'm not prepared. Here we go. Uh, so. I'll just I'll pepper you with some of these questions that Scott Fritter answered, and you give me your opinion of whether or not he's telling the truth or fibbing. Um, okay. I like <laughs> this game. I like it. Uh, number one, Scott Fritter mentions we are not actively pursuing any quarterback trades. Teams would have to contact us first, though, and none have lately. What does that mean? What does he mean that teams have to contact them first in order to? to trade for quarterbacks are they saying that they're not actively looking for any of the quarterbacks on the market are they saying that if they want sam they need to come get him like what did you take from that i I think he's half fitting here because i think they are interested in other quarterbacks out there on the market via trade or free agency we've already talked about this multiple times baker mayfield has never been in the in the picture for carolina it just has never done it now that might change if he's released, but I don't see them trading for him. Jimmy Garoppolo is probably the, the the main guy out there that I think Carolina does have interest in. The The problem with him is obviously the shoulder. Where does that stand? I know he's ahead of schedule. It looks like he's going to be ready for training camp, and it's probably going to be about another month or so before we see Jimmy G move, whether it be Carolina or anywhere else. 
San Francisco already came out and said yesterday, like, look, we're not releasing him. He's too good of a player to, to release. We're going to get something for him. So that tells me that the the, the asking price for Jimmy G's got to be coming down because at first it was like a first-round pick or a second-round pick, which is just unrealistic in, in my eyes. And I think a lot of teams don't have any interest in that. There's not very many teams that need a quarterback. So if I'm Carolina and I want Jimmy G, sure, I'll give him up for a fifth-round pick. I think that would work. I think that, that their asking price is going to have to come way down. And I don't know. I would say that he is telling the truth about them not actively, you know, being in conversations with either the 49ers or any other team about a quarterback because I don't think they are. I think right now they're really heavily concentrated on the on this draft class because this week with Sam Howell and last week with the other three guys, they've been very, very uh, – in depth, I guess, with the, with this draft class, being at their pro days and really kind of getting an idea of who could be that guy that sticks out and takes them to the next level, if that if there is that guy in this class. So, I, I don't know that there's 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 much smoke around the, the trade talk, but um, yeah, Sam Darnold is going to be on this roster. Yeah. And I'm just telling I'm, you now, he's going to be. I've accepted that there's really no place for him to go. Like, there's, I mean, what are they supposed to do with him? Like, you can't cut him. You're still going to owe him the money and. And even if this does, if his fifth year option wasn't even in play, if he was still on the the last year of his rookie deal and he wasn't making eighteen million, I still don't think anybody's going to be trading for him. Mm -mm, I don't think so either. I mean, if you look at the tape, he didn't have a lot of great tape before he got to Carolina. So, like, if you're just using the Carolina tape on on its own, that's not enough to entice somebody to be like, you know what? Even though you know we know you got him as a reclamation project and it didn't work, we're gonna try it too. Like I just don't, I don't think that, uh, <laughs> I don't think that happened. Now, best case scenario would have rebuilt offensive line, McCaffrey behind him, some weapons on the outside, a pretty stout defense. If they can just make it where Sam isn't pushing so hard and just kind of managing the game, this team can win games. Like I really do feel they can win games if, if it's not all on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not the quarterback that's gonna be able to win with a bunch of spare parts like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or whoever. He's just not that guy. But that doesn't mean he can't be serviceable. So uh, we'll see about that. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, Scott Fitter mentioned regarding uh, Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. We didn't need to go to quarterback Desmond Ritter's pro day because we spent a lot of time with him at the Senior Bowl and Combine. Does that mean that they've seen enough of Ritter to consider him if he's around? Or does that mean they don't think they're going to have a chance to get him because Ritter's not great at a first-round pick? and they don't have any second or third round picks currently, so he'll be long gone before they get a chance to pick again. Is he fitting on why they didn't go see him? No. I, you were, you hit, hit the nail right on the head. Bingo with the they don't think they're going to get him. And the reason I say that is because there's actually a growing consensus around the league from, from what I'm seeing and hearing is that they believe Desmond Ritter will go in the first round, and it's going to be – probably in between picks 20 and 32. One of those teams that's either doesn't really have a major need like that that could potentially have a, a quarterback that they that they want to take a chance on, like say Tennessee, for example. Ryan Tannehill's getting a little older, but he could still be the quarterback right now. He could grunt, he could, you know, be the guy until Desmond Ritter is ready. A team like that. Um Minnesota could be a team that maybe takes a chance with Kirk Cousins. Like, there's going to be teams out there that are going to take a quarterback in the first round that shouldn't, or that may be reaching a little bit. And everyone loves Desmond Ritter. His leadership, 
His his maturity is off the charts. His IQ is off the charts. He interviewed extremely well at the combine. Like everybody is super impressed with this kid, and and that's including myself. I I really wasn't high on him throughout the season, and then I start watching more tape, and I understand why these NFL teams are are really kind of falling in love with him. Again, it's not going to be some someone that can just come in and fix you right away. The Panthers know it's a reach at number six to get him. They don't have a day two or day three pick, and I don't think they're going to get a day two or day three pick. So unless they take him number six, they just know that it's not going to be it's not going to be feasible. Now, if somehow he slips out of the first round, Carolina may find a way to, to, to creep back into that second round early. They're going to have to give up some stuff, which, I, again, they don't have really the assets to make that type of a move. So I think they're out on Ritter. They like him as a kid. They like him as a prospect, but it just doesn't make uh, – the, the fits is not there. Going through uh, Fitter's press conference from Friday as he addressed the media on the state of the franchise and what they've done so far uh, down in Charlotte. Um, talking about Mr. Cam Newton, uh, who's, who's actually been in the news past day or two with some of his comments about being uh, contact or being in touch with some teams – uh, in the NFL, sounds like he's kind of waiting for a right situation. Don't know how it's going to play out, but Fitterer mentioned Matt Rule and Cam Newton recently had great conversations about where both sides are. It is a quote, wait and see type of approach. Uh, Matt Rule's quote is saying he loves Cam Newton's leadership and work ethic. Love to have him back, but has to be fair to him as well. He deserves to have a successful situation. Is that all just smoke or is Cam Newton really in their backup plans for quarterback uh, for this franchise next year? I, I do think he is telling the truth here. I think there is some some bit of a, a door being left open for Cam because I, I this is the way I view it. They're not going to pursue Cam as if he is going to be the starter like right now. Like he is their guy that they, they want. He is their number one target. I think he's more of like a plan B, plan C type of option right now for the Panthers because if they fail to land Jimmy G, if they fail it, uh, failed to land any other veteran quarterback, he comes into play. If they pass on Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, any of those quarterbacks in the draft, Cam Newton comes into play. So I think this is more of a waiting game for Carolina. And for Cam Newton, he came out and, and told, I believe, Adam Schefter this morning that you know he's got some interest from teams that are willing to sign him, but he's going to remain patient. And I think part of that is he still has – some attachment to potentially playing for Carolina. And and that's kind of the the waiting game that both teams or both sides are going to wait on is is the draft and to see what happens in the trade market. Because if Carolina doesn't have that, then obviously they're going to be welcoming Cam back at, with open arms. And I don't know that, that Cam is ready to just say, you know, I'm putting the Panthers behind me. I'm going to move on yet. I think he wants to see what happens – in the next month or so. He, he probably sees the moves that Fitter is making and is like, okay, this is starting to become a more complete team. If they draft a quarterback at number six, you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring Cam Newton back still. I really don't. Again, we've talked about this before. If it's Malik mm -hmm. Willis, I definitely think Cam Newton's back. Yeah, I think so too. And a lot of people don't understand that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Malik Willis went to the same high school as Cam Newton. Is that correct? And that uh, he was going to Auburn, but uh, decided to transfer out or something. Ended up at Liberty. Yeah, yeah, and he did start out at Auburn, transfer to Liberty. And so. like, like, like we've said multiple times, like if you go back and watch the tape on Malik Willis, 
there's some games where you're kind of like, eh, but it's that raw ability. You squint it's, your it's, eyes. <laughs> yeah, you squint your eyes tight enough. You can see the potentials there. <laughs> My only concern with Willis is that I don't know if he's a day one starter. So uh, yeah. I've always been on the whole, you draft Malik Willis, you bring back Cam Newton, uh, you cut P, uh, PJ Walker, uh, Walker, and you kind of go with that with Sam being the the de facto third quarterback. And I think the reason why you have to, to bring back Cam if you do draft Malik Willis is because it, I think it would allow the fan base to have a little bit of a, a, a better reaction to how the, the quarterback situation is played out because Cam Newton starts the season as a starter, goes a few games. You're not really having a, a great portion of the fan base clamoring for Malik Willis to get in. Now there might be, but at the same time, I think people are going to be okay with how they they play that situation out, no matter how they handle it. Whereas if Sam Darnold is still here and it's Darnold and Willis, there's going to be a lot of fans. The, the moment Darnold throws one pick, it's all right. Let's get Malik in there, and it's preseason game number one, <laughs> first exactly. <laughs> Bank of America. Why is Malik Willis getting? If we want Willis, I don't understand. <laughs> Before we go any further in the fitters' comments, I do got one more word from one of our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. The special blend of ingredients and, uh, supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly, fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health, arm your immune system with a convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's all you have to do. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. Skylar Callahan, Desmond Johnson here with you. The Believe in Panthers podcast, new for the week of uh, March the 29th, 2022. Going through some of Scott Fitter's comments from his press conference to the media on Friday of this past week, uh, talking about the the state of the Carolina Panther franchise, doing a little, is he fibbing or not with Skylar Callahan? The um, Fitter mentioned he believes they if they can stabilize the quarterback position that they can compete for the NFC South division title. Is that a lie? Yeah, <laughs> it's more like cautious optimism, I guess. I think it's he's. I mean, not, I think he, he could. He has a right to think that, considering yeah, what's that, happened in the in the division this off season. That's that's the competitive nature for any GM. I mean, they 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 always believe that they're they're heading in the right direction. I mean, well, at least most of them do. I mean, I think he's kind of right in that sense. But until Tom Brady decides to retire and stay retired, it's probably going to be Tampa Bay. But I think he he's saying that this team is getting closer to being competitive and competing for an NFC title or NFC South title because you look at the moves they made. The defense was already good last year. It's going to be a little bit better this year, I think, even though they, they lost some pieces like Hassan Reddick and probably more than likely Stephon Gilmore. But the, the overall talent on that defense is very good. They added Xavier Woods. They added Matt Ioannidis. They added uh, Damian Wilson, a couple other guys. The offensive line has been totally reshaped. 
which is a massive, massive upgrade. So I think just those two things alone are going to make this team competitive. And that's why I think he said, you know, we don't we don't feel like we took a one step forward this year. We actually feel like we took two steps. So they're getting closer to the point where if they can just drop a quarterback into this team, they're going to take off. I, I, I believe that. I've said it since really the, the start of last year. And Scott kind of alluded to that on Friday as well. I kind of believe that too. Just looking at the roster, it's young. Um, the defense is young, mostly on rookie contracts. The offensive line appears to have been built to at least be better than last year's line. I, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that they've built a top 10 line or anything without seeing them play, but just looking at what they've added, I, I feel pretty good about the offensive line. I saw a picture of Christian McCaffrey yesterday uh, that I think he posted on Instagram, and he looks kind of slimmed down a little bit, especially like the legs, like the quads. Uh, he was working towards Saquon, Saquon Barkley type of like quads last year uh, that was kind of frightening. And then all the injuries he was having, he wasn't being touched. So it was almost like maybe he was working out too much. And it looks like he's took that to heart. Slim down, he's still CMC. He still looks fantastic. Uh, but he doesn't have that same tree trunk type look going on that he did last year. So that might help him in terms of avoiding these soft tissue injuries that he's had the past two seasons. Scott Fitter mentioned also, that uh, he had had dinner with uh, Stephen Gilmore, Stephon Gilmore, excuse me, and Dan Morgan last Friday night with their wives. Very good conversation. Both sides are open to return as long as it's the right fit. Why is Gilmore still a free agent? Well, I think it's kind of the same thing with Cam. I think he wants to to be patient because he wants to be in the right situation. He wants the, uh, a chance to be able to start. And, I mean, I think anybody would, would love to just – plop Stephon Gilmore into their starting lineup. And I think that that's going to be the case no matter where he goes. He's going to start. But I think it's it's also where is he physically as well? I know he had battled that that injury before the seasons uh, or before he got his career start with the Panthers. And, I mean, I think he's 100% healthy. But I think, too, there, there might be a little bit of, like, I want to stay in Carolina in Stephon Gilmore. Like, his wife has been very adamant really since they – they, he got traded to Carolina about how much she was so happy about the situation because this is where they're from. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're literally next-door neighbors to Scott Federer. So, <laughs> they, they love Charlotte. They want to be here. This is where they want to spend their time all year round instead of just in the offseason. And I think it's just – it's comfortable for them. Now, is it the best situation for them? Because, again, the cornerbacks that they already have in that room, they're all super young and they're all like ready to start. Like Jason yeah. Moore and CJ Henderson, you know, Keith Taylor's in that mix as well. People forget about Troy Pride. Um, but then you also got to take into factor is Carolina really ready to compete for really anything? And I think Stephon Gilmore, like, he's not getting old yet. But he's not getting any younger. He's thirty-one years he's old. Thirty-one. Yeah, he just he, he he'll be thirty-two September nineteenth. Yeah, so he'll be thirty-two for the 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 NFL season coming up here. Um, I'm just kind of poking around to see why no one signed him. It looks like he's been talking to the Seahawks. Um, the Chiefs were talking to him two days ago. Uh, Josh McDaniels said the Raiders have had no substantial talks with, with uh, Gilmore. Um, looks like the Patriots may be targeting him to come back. Um. No. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. Uh, maybe Philly. So he's got a couple of teams out there that are being attached to him. But uh, the fact that the Panthers are still in play and the Panthers, if I'm not mistaken, they have the most cap room in the league right now. Correct. 
Yeah. Uh, as last as, as far as I know, or last time I checked, that was the case. They were like close to like uh, 27, 28 million, I think, somewhere around there. Now, keep in mind, too, they, they will hold back about nine to 10 million of that for the draft, for yeah. injuries that happen throughout the year and stuff like that. So, they're probably sitting around a little under twenty million, but they do have the money to make a move. That that they is have, no question about yeah. it. They have more cap space right now than any other team in the league. It show uh, over the cap.com is showing them currently with a little over thirty one million dollars in cap space. Keep in mind what Skylar just said. They're going to pull six to eight million of that off to the side to pay for their rookies. Um, <clears throat> although they should have less rookies this year than previous years because they don't have as many picks as we stand today but again it is scott fitter so they probably will end up with more picks than what we have right now when we start the, uh, the draft uh the next closest team is the texans with 23 million so a lot of these teams just don't have the money to pay uh gilmore which might be why he's keeping the panthers on his list uh because they still have enough to bring him in on like a one-year deal which is what i would do at this point i wouldn't give him a long-term contract at age 31 maybe a two-year deal or something uh, option after year one, something like that, possibly. Yeah, I mean, I think a, a two-year deal would be would be ideal. I mean, again, and then you also got to remember too, Dante Jackson's under contract for three years. Like, I, I just totally, you know, oh, yeah, forget about it, yeah, but just, just sign it. Yeah, hmm. like you got Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn as your two starting guys. That's not even including C.J. Henderson, whom you traded for, who's a former top ten pick. Like, how do you? How do you get all these guys on the field? Like, it's a good problem to have. Don't get I, me wrong, but I like, think if, if you if you resign Stephon Gilmore, I think you got to trade one of those cornerbacks yeah, out. Yeah, I, well, I think that they wouldn't trade Dante Jackson. I don't think. Yeah, I think C.J. Henderson would potentially be the odd man out, but I don't know. Unless, but then again, this all comes into play too. Does does the quarter? Did they make that play for a quarterback? that where they have to trade something up other than a draft pick, like mm-hmm. does JC Horn get involved in a trade and then they bring back Stephon Gilmore, you get your quarterback, then you're really not losing. You're not seeing that much of a drop off in your cornerback room without JC Horn. Well, so uh, <clears throat> let's turn our attention back to Scott Fitter. Cause that actually is a good segue to one of the things he mentioned on Friday during his press conference. He said, uh, no immediate trades on the table for any players. Is Scott Fitter fitting there? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess you could say maybe if you take the word immediate out of there, because it seems like the whole thing is cooled down uh, after the opening of free agency. But uh, it's interesting with that Gilmore situation that we just talked about. I I think we're right. I think the only way you can even bring Gilmore back and for him to be happy is to make sure you probably need three quarterbacks or cornerbacks. Uh and basically, the way they were playing defense, they're kind of in a nickel set the whole time. So you really do need three uh, to do this because uh, you're going to play with five cor- well, five secondary members. And you've already got Jeremy Chin, uh, Xavier Woods playing safety. That leaves those three corners. You really need a nickel corner. So basically, you're asking either Dante Jackson or Stephon Gilmore, former defensive player of the year, to play nickel. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how that would play out because I don't think that conversation happened when Dante resigned with them. Uh, so... We'll see. We'll see what happens on that end. Um, Fitter also mentioned all the newly signed free agents have said that they like the Carolina area. They like the aggressiveness of Mr. Tepper and his desire to win. They also like their aggressive play on the field. Um, I, I don't think I have to ask about that. I, I feel like m- players tend to like the Carol- the, the Charlotte area, Rock Rock Hill, Carol- uh, 
that North Carolina, South Carolina border, uh, Carowinds, <laughs> like that whole area out there, Ballantyne, uh, everything South Charlotte, pe- uh, they tend to like that area. It's not too fast. It's not too slow. You still got to kind of drive to get there everywhere unless you're uptown. Um, so I could see how, you know, coming from Baltimore or coming from a busy city like LA to get to Charlotte, it, it probably suits a football player pretty well in terms of the pace and everything else. So, um, doesn't hurt that your your new owner is worth you know sixteen billion dollars, so they probably want to. <laughs> that probably helps out a whole lot too with uh, living uh, in the state of North Carolina. Bitter also mentioned they're open to all options at quarterback, but the preferred way is to get a, a, a quarterback on a rookie contract and build around his low cost. Is he fibbing there, or did he p- kind of show his hand in terms of what the Panthers really are planning on doing with that six pick? No, I mean I think he's he's telling the truth again in some sense because I think obviously every team would love to be able to go in, into a draft and get a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or you know Justin Herbert or somebody like that to where you know they're going to be good and you can just surround them with a veteran team both on the offensive line their, their weapons on offense a defense being good and you know that you've got that guy under contract for four years and you don't have to you know give up 30 40 million on, on the quarterback spot so that would be the most ideal but does that mean that he that they're they're leaning towards drafting quarterback? I, I don't think so. I think you know the the it was pretty clear to me. I think if they don't take a quarterback, it's going to be a left tackle. Like I know that, that an edge rusher an edge rusher has been kind of floated around there as a possibility as well. I, I don't see that happening because I just think they they feel like there's a bigger need at left tackle than there is at edge rusher. It's more it's it's a bigger I wouldn't say more important because they're both pretty important, but they already have an elite pass rusher in Brian Burns. If they can get another or see a, a, a see another step from Etor Gross Matos and have Frankie Louvu, Marquise Haynes. I mean, Marquise Haynes was productive. He he didn't play a whole lot, but when he was in the game, he was very productive. Right. If they can get something out of those mixture of guys along with Brian Burns. I think they're they're more set on let's get the left tackle position solved so we can stop dealing with that rotating do- door for the next 10 years and kick Christensen inside. Now you have a, a complete offensive line. I You know, I'm kind of – it's never a sexy pick to pick a, you know, a left tackle or whatever with the top 10 pick. But the last time we did so it was Jordan Gross, and he anchored that left tackle position for a decade. And we never had to worry about it. Uh, and he's probably one of the top 10 Panther players of all time. So – if uh, Neil or somebody's still sitting there at six, and I've seen some mocks where now they're starting to show Evan Neal fall down to six. Oh, always, man, if, if Evan Neal's sitting there <laughs> at six. Have you seen this guy? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think people really understand. I'm going to pull up his uh, pull up his, uh, his, his stuff he's here. He's six foot seven. 300-some pounds. And he yeah. doesn't look fat. Like, he looks like. Oh, he's all muscle. He's it's, like an Avenger. Like he's literally like, <laughs> like I've never, I, I mean, I've seen some athletic, like built looking big dudes, like whether it be NBA, NFL, that are, you know, tall and it would seem to be a, a lot of weight. But my gosh, like this is like a once in every 10 years type of prospect that left tackle. And I'm talking in terms of build and, mm-hmm. and the shape that he is in. Like it's insane. I think. Evan Neal, if he is on the board, I don't care if Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, and the top edge rusher, which would probably be Kayvon Thibodeau, is on the board at that point. Heck with all them other guys. Evan Neal yeah. has to be the pick. 
he was the one tackle when all this first started, when the season was over, where I was like, okay, if that dude is sitting at six, I have no problem with them getting him instead of a quarterback or whoever. Um, It's his frame. It's just, I don't know. He looks perfect for left tackle. It's just. You you hmm. just can't pass on a guy that you know for sure is going to be a cornerstone of this franchise for the next 10 to 12 years. When you're picking at number six, you have to get that pick right. Number six is not a – when you're in this rebuild that the Panthers are in, you can't take a guy at number six and say, well, he might work, he may not. We're going to hope that he does, and it may not even be until two years from now until we even know the answer. No, he's got to come in and be a a, a guy, that dude right away. They need to drop alphas at number six. That sounds like an old school Cleveland Browns, Cincinnati Bengals way of thinking. Yeah, we're just going to get this guy because we got this pick. He might work. He might not. We don't know. We're just pick him up anyway. But now uh, I'm sitting here looking at this article from Yahoo Sports from Anthony Rizzuti, where uh, actually just came out here about three or four hours ago, where he's basically saying, you know, can Evan Neal really slip to the Panthers? And he lays out a good argument for it, considering looking at the teams that are ahead of the Panthers, uh, those first five picks. Uh, Jack Jacksonville has a number one pick. They just spent money on free agent guard, Brandon Sheriff, uh, and their own blonde side protector and cam Robinson. So they're not going to go left tackle with the, the first pick. Uh, Detroit probably won't go there either. Detroit's been linked to Malik Willis actually. So, uh, they may go defense. They've got, he's got them picking uh defensive end Trayvon Walker from Georgia. Who's been flying up the board the past couple of weeks. Uh, he's got Houston taking uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, who was actually projected to be number one overall pick before the season started. Uh, he's got the Houston's taking him. And then uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati. He's got the Jets picking that cornerback at four uh, with the Giants taking Aquano from NC State. That would leave Neil and Charles Cross, uh, the other left tackle that's been mentioned to go in the top uh, round, sitting there for Carolina to choose. And at that point, I think you're right. I think uh, Scott Fritter runs to the phone and they draft uh, Evan Neal and don't even think about it because I think they're more willing to have a, I think they're more willing to build the offensive line that they know they're going to be able to have for the next eight years or whatever, and know that they can put a quarterback behind it once the right quarterback becomes available to them instead of shoehorning a quarterback into it and still having holes on the line. Cause they try that. They yeah. try that. Before. It doesn't work. And, so. and also too, I think, you know, obviously no one wants to get anybody fired and, that's you know I think Scott Federer and Matt Rule, they have a really good relationship. They work well together, and I think they they want to be able to to see this thing through with each other. But at the end of the day, like I don't, I just don't see a scenario where Scott Federer is going to make a draft pick to try and save Matt Rule's job. Like that's that's Matt right. Rule's own situation. Like Scott Federer is, is entering year two as a GM, and really outside of the Darnold move, I mean he's done phenomenal. So I, I think, you know, his, his job's clearly not in any danger at all. And I think he's, he's a guy that's going to say, like, look, we're going to do the best thing for this organization. And if that's getting our left tackle for the next decade, we're going to do it. I don't care. We're not going to take a quarterback just to take a quarterback. Now, again, th- they may end up taking a quarterback, and I could be wrong on that. But – I, I I mean, he did say the other day that, you know, we're just going to keep swinging until we get the quarterback position right. That's And obviously you have to, but you can't always swing at one position and neglect the others. Yeah. 
we do have breaking news um, out of the NFL. I think it's the second week in a row something like this has happened while we've been taping that uh, some news is broke. Um, and we will have Skyler's mock first uh, round draft pick. It has changed uh, again. Last week he had it at quarterback Malik Willis from Liberty. Uh, he actually put out a full first round mock draft that you can find on Sports Illustrated online. Go to Callahan underscore for uh, Skyler's thread and you can find uh, that article and much, much more on the Carolina Panthers daily uh, as news comes out. But uh, as I mentioned, breaking news, NFL owners just voted to implement a change in the playoffs that will ensure each team gets at least one possession. The rule is a modified version of the proposal set forth by the Colts and the Eagles, which would have required one possession for each team in overtime for all games. Regular season rules for overtime will remain unchanged. So remember, regular season rules for overtime do not change with this. The regular season rules, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, both teams will get a chance to have a possession unless the team who has the ball first scores a touchdown on their opening possession, then the game is over. If they score a field goal, the other team gets possession of the ball. If they score a touchdown, the game is over. If they score a field goal, you continue on. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If Say that scenario happens and say team A goes down, kicks a field goal, they go up by three. Team B goes down and kicks a field goal, they go up by three. That goes to sudden death at that point, doesn't it? Or is it they, they run yeah. through the rest of the uh, quarter? Yeah, I believe they would they would go to sudden death because I okay. think it's, that's kind of from what I understand it's it's essentially like the regular season same as last year, and the playoffs is both teams have a chance, and if if both teams match each other's scores, then it's just the next one win the next score wins. So to me, I mean, like I agree, I like I I am for both teams getting a chance with the ball, but at, at like at the end of the day, your defense has to make a stop. Like regardless, it's the same result whether both teams have to touch the ball or not. Your defense has to get a stop in order to win the game. Um, yeah. So I mean, I I do agree with that. I think the one thing they should have done, and this might get visited, revisited in the future because I think there'll, there'll probably be enough, uh, I guess, talk about it from the fans and probably the players and coaches as well. Why even have a tie? Like, and it's the regular season. People pay money to go to these games. They want to see somebody win the game, even if it's not their team. They want to have a win or a loss. Determined. Conclusion. Yeah. yeah. You can't play. You're going. So you mean to tell me we're going to play four, three and a half to four hours, and nobody wins a game? Like I've never been for that. Someone has to win the game, and at, at the end of the day, it, it's it's going to make the 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 the, uh, the results more accurate. I think because. Like we got towards the end of last season, and we had that crazy scenario with the Chargers and the Raiders because of the tie situation with you know and and the Steelers, where they they could have just you know kneeled the thing out and the Steelers have been eliminated and the Chargers and Raiders would have both made it. But at the end of the day, too, the NFL is going to look at that situation and be like, eh, it got a lot of people to watch that game. So if that's going to get people to watch those games. Maybe we'll just let it go. I, I don't know. I think at the, there has to be a winner. That's just my opinion. I agree. And I I don't know if I like this because I'm from the school of, like you said just a minute ago, you know, it's almost excusing the defense by doing this because, yes, the other team gets the ball first. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to score just because they got it first. I mean, if that was the case, they would have been scoring every possession that they had throughout the game. It's still on the defense to stop them. So this is almost like, a crutch for the defense that doesn't win the coin toss where they can kind of be like, okay, well, 
if they score, it's all right. Our offense can bail us out because of this new rule change. And that I don't like that. I think I'd rather like it where it was before where, hey, if you don't get the ball in overtime, I mean, tough break. Your defense should have stopped the offense from scoring a touchdown. Like, literally, they already finagled with this rule so that uh, you couldn't you couldn't end the game on a, a walk-off field goal on the opening drive. So, I mean, to me, that was the, the – that was the uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, the thing that would appease fans was what they had already did. But that Kansas City-Buffalo playoff game, I had a feeling they were going to do something when that happened because of what happened in the final two minutes of the game with both of them scoring 25 points combined. Um, and then the Chiefs win the coin toss. Josh Allen never got a chance to touch the ball again. Chiefs go home, well, lead with a walk-off, eight-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Um, but even so, again, that's on the Bills' defense. The Bills' defense couldn't stop Kansas City, and, I mean, you shouldn't be rewarded for that. But, hey, what do I know? I'm just a you know podcast host, so I can't really <laughs> I can't really change anything about what's happening. They don't happening. listen to anything we have to say. Anyway. Yeah, they, they don't even know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, real quick before we head out of here, uh, each week, Skyler does a mock first round draft uh, for the Panthers and picks a first round player that uh, that he thinks the Panthers should get. It uh, like Stephen A would say, it uh, it's fluid. It's fluid. Yeah. It, it changes from week to week. Occasionally, last week he had Liberty quarterback Malik Willis being selected with the number six pick in the draft by the Panthers. Who does Skyler Callahan have in this week's mock first round uh, draft pick for the Carolina Panthers at number six? Well, it's actually the guy that we spent a lot of time about uh, uh, kind of being all hot and bothered for a couple minutes ago with Evan Neal. <laughs> oh, I yay. It, uh, yeah, I, and actually I still have Malik Willis available um, on the board while they're picking, and that's just in this this full first-round mock draft that I did. I actually have Willis going to Atlanta at number eight. But, um, yeah, I got, I got Evan Neal going at number six. And I just – I think it's the best pick. I mean, if he's still on the board, I had, I had a Quanta going right before to the Giants. So, I think Evan Neal is the best player available. And, again, that's – to me, I've always been a guy that you take the best player available and you don't draft for need. If, you, if you're drafting for need, you're going to find yourself in a world of trouble all the time. Right. You have to take the best player available, even if it's out of position, other than quarterback, of course, because you can only have one of those. If it's already a position that you're you're set on, I I just I think you have to go for the best player on the board, and I think that's going to be Evan Neal. Again, this is probably going to change back and forth. And I think as we get closer to the draft, as I gain more knowledge on really where the Panthers stand on where they're leaning, that's probably when my my mocks are going to be more accurate. This is just kind of what I'm thinking as of right now, what I'm trying to piece together. We get about a week or two away from the draft, that my mocks will probably resemble what I think the Panthers. Uh, or what I'm hearing that what the in, in the direction they're leaning in. Uh, hey, we talked about Evan earlier. If he's sitting there at six, I think he's kind of become the favorite to go get, especially if you're doing best player available, which is what the Panthers have really done the past two uh, years. They've done, if they've messed up in other areas, the one thing I feel confident about the Panthers is the draft. They've done really well, in my opinion, in the draft the past two years uh, with Marty Herney last year and then with Scott Fitter this past season. Uh, or two years ago, I should say, with uh, Marty Herney. So I think they'll be okay on that note there. Um, and if Evan Hill's sitting there, now all of a sudden you go from having possibly the worst offensive line in football to a top 10 offensive line in football? That sounds crazy, but... Uh, they were last year with the defense. I was about to say, we just we went through this last year with the defense, and we kind of talked ourselves into it. I was like, is this a top 10 defense? And we, we kind of landed there before the season started, and lo and behold, they were 
top two in overall defense for most of the year. And that was kind of shocking to both of us <laughs> as we were watching the games. We're like, yeah. we don't understand how they're doing this. We have no idea how they're doing this. But number-wise, they are the number two defense in the league. So um, we'll see. So that there you go. So we kind of got through – uh, Will Smith, Chris Rock, we got through Duke Carolina, and we gave you a, a lot of stuff from Scott Fitter on Friday and uh, even gave you a mock draft prediction there. So uh, what more do you want from us, Panther fans? What more do you want from us? Uh, you can catch us, uh, Skyler. You can catch his work again on Twitter for Sports Illustrated, not only the Panthers beat writer, but the Charlotte Hornets beat writer. The Hornets uh, falling last night to – who did they just lose to? Um, Nuggets. The Nuggets. I was about to say, I just tweeted out because Jokic just had a triple-double on us. Uh, it made the, the Hornets fall to ninth in the East. They're going back and forth with the Brooklyn Nets. I have no idea why people are saying Brooklyn has the best shot to win the Eastern Conference when they may not even get it in the, out of the play-in game. Uh, but, hey, it, it it's the NBA. It's nuts. Uh, you can follow all that stuff with Skyler on Twitter at Callahan underscore. Um, and for myself, you can follow my work at Tobacco Radio for Tobacco Road Sports Radio and at DEZ underscore 3505. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Keep pounding. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.